Welcome to Mind Over Matter with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. I share stories of insight, personal experience, ways in which I and others have overcome obstacles, and the importance of perseverance. Welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am thrilled to have you here on my podcast, tuning in weekly as I share two episodes with you. My goal through this podcast is to inspire and empower as well as motivate you to move forward in life. I also provide one-on-one coaching, so if that's something you're interested in, listen all the way to the end for ways to connect with me. Welcome to episode number 135. This is one episode you're likely going to need to listen to more than once. There are so many tidbits and so many takeaways from gratitude to going through the grieving process to finding the silver lining and then doing something about it. Welcome to the second act with Frank Clark. Welcome to this week's podcast interview. I've brought on Frank Clark, aka Mr. Orange for all my Tony Robbins family. Frank, welcome. Hi, Heather. How are you today? I'm so good. I'm so stoked to have you on. I've been chasing you for a while, so I'm glad it's it finally been a while. happened. It's yeah. been a while. Thank you. Thanks. I uh, listen. I've been. I know. I haven't been dogging you. I've been wanting to do this with you. So it's been over a year, and uh, now I'm glad we're finally getting it to getting it together. Yeah, For sure. Thanks. Give the listeners a background. Um, you know, where do you live, and what do you do? Okay. Well, I uh, I live in Florida now. I live in Tampa, Florida, via Boston, and that's where I was born and raised, and that's kind of where my roots still are. So if you hear a little of the eyes and that park the car, that's where you'll know where I'm. My basis point is, <laughs> um, I, I've, I'm a CEO. I've been an entrepreneur for over 30 years. I've um, started, sold, closed over six companies, uh, multinational sales. I've been uh, very involved in corporate culture. I also have been a life coach and business coach for over 20 years, um, a business that I have now started to monetize actually create quite a groundswell. I, 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 at one point in my life, actually it was about 18 months ago when I met you, 16 months ago when I met you, I decided that really that was one of my gifts that God has graced me with is the ability to speak and to influence. And I wanted to do it on a much bigger scale. So I, uh, I created uh, a coaching environment, a business coaching environment, and it's been just phenomenal. The people I've met, I've met over, just within the Tony Robbins organization alone, I've met over 20,000 people you know, in the last 12 months. And it's been pretty dynamic and pretty exciting. And I make great people like yourself. And so, yeah, that's, that's been the, the shift in me. You know, I still have an electronics company. I'm still doing really well. I've got an amazing staff, amazing team. And now I get a chance also to help and influence people, which has just been kind of a godsend to me and something that I'm really grateful for. Well, on that note, for people who don't know, maybe haven't attended Tony Robbins or want to know a little bit more about psychology and, and personalities, what is Mr. Orange? <laughs> Mr. Orange is a character basically that evolves out of uh, an exercise in one of the Tony Robbins events. One of Tony's pinnacle seminars is called Date with Destiny. And in that seminar, you get to really explore what your values are. And we don't really, you know, we all have these values that we'll do anything to obtain. And we also have these values we'll do anything to avoid, but we've created them over our lifetime. And not only do we create these values, we've created an order and sequence to them, things that are more important that we want and things that are most important that we'll avoid. And then behind all that, we've created rules 
around each one of these things. This manifests when this rule happens and this manifests when that rule happens. And we didn't even know we were doing that, but we did. And we also came up with these primary questions of what we ask ourselves all the time. Anyways, within all of that, we also live and reside in these different levels of consciousness. And back in the 60s, there was a study done uh, about the science of uh, spiral dynamics. And spiral dynamics is these eight levels of consciousness. Each level is represented by a number and a color. And Tony did this exercise explaining each level and how we all coexist. You know, like a blue level four is somebody very rules-based, maybe involved in the Bible or, you know, uh, extremist maybe with religion or military. It's that kind of thing. And, and there was different, you know, some people are more earthy and some are more Reiki healers and yogis. And, but a level five orange is someone who's very driven, very entrepreneurial, very passionate about business and success and very driven, more capitalist, if you will, kind of, you know, about their own significance at some level, their status. But they also, this is the first level in the eight levels of consciousness where people actually start becoming what's called ergocentric, not egocentric, but more towards the giving back to the world. And a level five orange knows that in order to be successful, our success is predicated on the growth of others. So we focus on helping others get what they need so we can get what we need. And then we buy the big boat and the big house and show off a little bit. So, <laughs> you know, that's somewhat what a level five orange is all about. And Tony asked for volunteers who can really represent the color of blue and red and all these other colors. And I was chosen to be orange. Now, when you're in a Tony Robbins event, you're with a lot of overachievers, okay, just to begin with. And there's 5,000 people in the room from 80 different countries. And so when I represented what made up 80% of the room, I got a pretty quick fan base. So when I represented orange and how it's important to work hard and strive and make the money and, you know, be titans of industry and how nothing's free and, and when we did bat, we did this little battle with each other, the colors, you know, why we're better than them and what we don't like and what we do like about each other color. You know, I, I had a lot of big fans in the room. So I became Mr. Orange. And that was back in 2017 when I met you. And then, you know, as manifestation as blessing and as just, you know, put yourself in the right place at the right time and, and go for what you want. I wanted to do that role again. So I went to date with destiny again in 2018 as a result of my life had some dramatic shifts in 2018, some major, major upheavals and changes and all that stuff. So I said, you know what, let's do the seminar again. And when we go, maybe I'll be fortunate enough to be picked to be Mr. Orange again, because I really liked that role. And, you know, as fate would have it and luck would have it, and manifestation would have it. I was picked to be Mr. Orange again. So I have a new batch of 5,000 new people and uh, got to speak and represent the color. And that's how Mr. Orange evolves is that people just, labeled me that and it sticks. So <laughs> that's who I am now. Yes. And what you touched on is what I really brought you on today is some dramatic life things that happened to you in 2018, things you didn't quite plan for, but you've turned that all around into this whole second act. So maybe, right. you know, if you want to just touch on some things you went through in 2018 and then, you know, the grief and everything, and then how that brought you to today. Sure. Well, you know, one of the um, one of the cool things about Date with Destiny is you left with a roadmap of how you're going to, you know, basically live the next year of your life. You have your goals, but you also have you have these new empowering questions. You also have all these values and beliefs, and you know they're in the right order. And you're just so, you know, you feel so empowered. The other part about it that's great in the seminar is it talks about relationships, 
And you leave there kind of with a relationship mantra and a relationship goal. And at the time I, you know, I had left there with my relationship. I was married and it was going on almost 20 years of being with the same woman. And I, so I came out of the seminar and I was so excited and I was so happy and elated and I can't wait to get home. And I wrote this beautiful love letter to my wife and when <clears throat> I get home and I'm not even home 30 days and my wife is asking me for a divorce. Uh, and I was devastated. I did not see this coming at all. You know, intellectually, I didn't think I, I saw it coming at all. Subconsciously, you know, I do believe that you create, promote, or allow every single thing in your life. So I know subconsciously and at some deeper level that I created, promoted, or allowed this divorce situation to become upon me. Nonetheless, it was devastating to me. I, you know, we had uh, been involved. I had two children and she had a son from her previous marriage. And together we raised, you know, I raised, helped raise her son. And my kids got really close and our families were close. And, you know, we renewed our wedding vows every year. And it was just one of these, I thought, probably the most magical relationship a human being could be blessed to have. And then I literally felt like the rug was pulled out from under me. And, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't know really how to handle it in the moment. Um, because I came back with this plan, right? This is my relationship plan. And then <laughs> you get it taken away from you. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, one of the things I guess that, that's been a grace for me in learning personal development over the last 25 years is I know all the right things to do. You know, I've been trained in this stuff. I have enough self-help. And God knows I bought enough books and tapes, so I have enough shelf help, right? <laughs> and so I was like, okay, time to use this stuff. But that didn't make it any easier. It didn't make it any easier at all. I mean, at first I was devastated. There was tears. There was begging. And there was, please don't do this. And, you know, the victim role and, you know, just devastation, which is a part of the grieving process. And the second part of the grieving process, at least for me, was anger. I got pissed off. I'm like, oh, you know what? This is, I don't deserve this. And how dare you? And, you know, now we're starting to fight over who gets the blue plate and the red napkin holder and you know shit like that just not even important you get to divvy up half of your stuff and you know <laughs> it's so it, it you, you you go in between these phases of total grief and sadness and guilt to anger back to sadness back to anger back to guilt it was this ping pong game of just emotions and then you know one of the things that i was reminded of by my daughter um, I, I am blessed to have three raised three beautiful children some of them have done Tony Robbins events also. They've done the Unleash the Power Within seminar. And my daughter, uh, who's very goal-driven, said to me, Dad, you know, one thing you've always taught us is when you're going to pull the Band-Aid off, don't pull it really slow and drag the little hairs out of your arm and just rip it off, you know? If you're going to cut yourself, you know, use a hatchet. Cut your whole – cut the problem right out. Don't butter knife this thing, you know? So – she said, look, when, when your wife tells you she's done, she's done, okay? And you, it's time to move on. So we accelerated the, the divorce proceedings, and that was devastating. And But then I'm on the other side of it. Okay, well, when you're on the other side of grief, what are you going to do? Well, in life, and I learned this also in another seminar, there are the events that happen in your life, and then there's the meaning you attach to the event, Right. And divorce was an event. My, my ex-wife asking me for a divorce was an event. Now I can put a lot of meanings behind that and I can say I'm worthless and I'll never be, you know, cause I'm in my fifties. I'm not attractive. 
who's going to date me, who's going to, what's, you know, I don't want to start over again. And you start putting all these meanings to things, right? But they didn't serve me. They were negative, empowering meanings and not empowering at all, actually, pretty devastating. So I had to think back and say, okay, what is it that I really need to focus on? And what I needed to focus on right then was gratitude and forgiveness. Forgiveness is giving up all hope for a better past. So we can never change what happened in the past, but we can forgive it. We can forgive ourselves. We can forgive the people that were part of it. And so I did. I went through a process of forgiveness, um, forgave myself for, you know, okay, how I created, promoted, or allowed this divorce to happen. I forgave her for actions that I thought were unbecoming of a, a married woman. And I just, I moved on. I, I, and I truly, truly, truly believe that that was part of getting to the next element of grief, which is resolve. When you resolve in your mind and your actions and say, it's now time to get into the next chapter of my life. Okay. And so what also came of that was a thought process of how many other people are in this phase in their life? You know, uh, when I turned 40, I was fortunate enough to be in Fiji at a Tony Robbins event. But I also, you know, so it's exciting, but I'm also, okay, you're, I'm 40 now. And not to say that I'm in a midlife crisis, but there are things about turning 40 that are way different than turning 30. And my peer group of people that were 40 or 45 were starting to lose their jobs or starting to experience death in their families or starting to, you know, all of a sudden one day you wake up and you can't see. I need glasses. Like, what the frick is this all about? I can't. <laughs> I'm blind all of a sudden. You know, like your body goes through changes. Your life goes through changes. You, your kids are starting to be maybe, you know, I started having a family really early. So my kids were in their 20s and they were starting to move out of the house and they were starting to go away to college and they're starting to you know, have families of their own. And so you have this emptiness syndrome, if you will. And then I noticed my dad, he was 50 years old just around 50, maybe 52. And he got laid off from a company he had worked for almost straight out of college. And him and a couple of his buddies were going through this phase of feeling worthless. I mean, like they go right in their mindset. They go, okay, yeah, I was a senior engineer as a facilities manager, as an operations director. And they go right from this mentality to, well, I guess I'm going to be bagging groceries at the grocery store now. Well, I guess I'm schlepping burgers at McDonald's right now. Like, where, how did you go from this great mindset of productive and, and gifted to, nope, shoveling snow on the street? That's a, I'm going to be I'm a paper boy now. You know what the fuck? So, I, I, I looked at that and I said, you know, what 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 do I do in that situation? I mean, what have, have I been experiencing some of this? And I had, you know, I, I I've done the pity party. I went through some guilt stuff. I went into the, well, you were an athlete in high school. You were a runner in high school, but now you know, you, you blew out your knees and so you're not running marathons anymore. And but I always wanted to. And, you know, you, this mindset of I can't do it because I'm in the second phase of my life. Well, that's BS. I mean, really, that's BS. Because not only do we have the knowledge of how to get what we want to get. OK, we have the life experience behind us. Our peer group also has just vast knowledge. Not only do they have vast knowledge, they have what I call human capital. They've acquired human capital. You acquire funds, money, yeah. But the people you meet along the way, when you get to be 50 years old, and now I'm almost 60 years old, the people you meet along the way that have helped influence your life and your one degree of separation from that, that's it. Imagine if you took 10 of these like-minded people, right? Okay, I'm 55, you're 50, I'm 60, you're 65, you're 40, whatever. 
and you've all got some level of loss. You got the dad bod, the mom bod, you got whatever, you lost your job. And you said to these group of people, 10 of them, let's start something together. Let's create a company. Let's, let's, let's create a foundation. Let's create something nonprofit. Let's, let's create something that's just way bigger than us individually. Okay. Who knows a banker? Ah, hands go up. Oh, my best friend is the president of Bank America. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Well, who has a marketing? Do? Oh, my, my, my best friend in New York, oh, my, my, my cousin, uh, you know, senior marketing director, the greatest marketing firm in the United States. Oh, really? Okay. Well, we need somebody to do our commercials. Oh, well, hey, Ben Affleck is my best friend. Really? You know, everybody's got one of these, one, two, three of these like human capital people that they've known or they've acquired over time and they're the greatest friends now. And you put all that together and you make a tribe of this, of like-minded people. And then all of a sudden you've got a community of people that can get shit done, really get shit done. Okay. Not only for each other, but for themselves. And it's also a time in our life. And I think, you know, this even happens when you're younger, but it, it really happens when you get older that you live in a lot of the shoulds. I should have done this. I should have done that. I should know this at this stage in my life. I should know this. Okay. When you're married and divorced a couple times, well, I should know how to do relationships, right? But that doesn't mean I do. But maybe I do. Maybe I know what not to do. All right. Um, so, but we don't want to admit it because, well, I should have raised, I should have known better. I had kids. I should have known better. I, you know, I, I, I exercise. I should have known better. I was in a relationship for 20 years. So you, we minimize or tend to get in this chapter of our life. And a lot of people minimize their real gifts. And they, they, they play this game of guilt and, and resentment and sadness and, you know, loss. And that's just BS because they really know all this stuff, right? So let's, let's kick. And that's why I started something called Second Act. Second Act, I'm doing this with Heidi Fusali out in the south of France. She's beautiful, stunning, life coach, you know, personal trainer, a fashionista, uh, just she's a glamour queen. She just has so much. She radiates just beauty from the feminine energy Heidi is the poster child for okay she just is amazing and together we said you know what Frank I, I mean I have a lot of masculine energy I do a lot of guy stuff I'm a guy's guy if you will okay and she's just the, the embodiment of feminine energy so together we started second act and second act is about that second chapter of your life and not it's like a midlife crisis it's a midlife opportunity it's the best time of your life right it's the best chapter because we have this human capital because we have all this knowledge because we have all this shelf help all this self-help well let's all get together man and let's share this information let's share all this stuff and then let's let's go through this path together okay what the hell is online dating all about i, I don't have a clue okay but i got a profile now i got a picture oh don't put a picture of a, a selfie in the bathroom don't do that don't take your shirt off uh, whatever the rules are right there's all this crazy shit now of, of dating and uh, you know and, and we're all in the same boat we don't know what we're doing here okay we all want to be super athletes maybe i, I was a track star in high school oh you were the football coach oh you were the cheerleading queen and now guess what well now we got like 40 extra pounds on us okay all right Oh, or maybe our identity was based around our kids. Everything we did for the, was for the kids. My kids are gone. And, and they're, not, they're not giving us grandkids yet. They just moved on. And our entire identity was based around being a dad or a mom. And there's a lot of pride around that. But there's also a sense of loneliness, the sense of like something's being ripped out. Okay, well, how do we recreate that? Right? So that's, in essence, what Second Act is about is just that midlife 
opportunity, that midlife jazz, that midlife zest, that midlife, I don't even want to call it midlife, because to me, I look like I want to live to 140 years old. So this is like chapter two of chapter of four chapters. Anyways, anyways, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm jazzed. I'm so excited about this. I'm so excited about what we're doing. Well, and you touched on so many things, but I, I want to s- s- seriously highlight that you clearly, with maybe the background of 25 years of this self-help, personal development background, you have a very high EQ, that emotional intelligence, because a lot of people who go through big life changes like that are going to hit the dumps, they're going to play victim, they're going to have a pity party, and they're not going to know a way out. So what advice would you give to somebody who's maybe hit their rock bottom, their a devastating thing like a divorce after 20 years? What maybe a couple of steps would you suggest they could do if, if they're newer to this? Yeah, that's a great question. I, um, there are three things that I think people really need to focus on when they find themselves in the dumps. First of all, when you're in the dumps, there's a, there's a truth. And the truth is that we've survived 100% of our shittiest days. Okay. We're not, we're still on the planet. All right. So we've survived no matter how devastating it was, we lived through it. Okay. With that, there's an attitude of gratitude. I think gratitude is a misused um, thought and concept. And I mean, I started an organization called Gratitude TV with one of my buddies, Jason, and a website just called gratitude.org. And in it, on the first page of it, what it says is, imagine if tomorrow you woke up with only what you were grateful for today. So yeah, you might be in the dumps, okay, but you still have your eyes, and you still have your hands, and you still have your health, and you still have your body, and you still live in a great country, and you still, I mean, there's just so many things if you actually focus on gratitude. And so as a coach, one of the things I tell people, especially people that seem to come to me that are down in the dumps, I say to them, I want you to finish every single day writing the 10 things you're the most grateful for. Every single day before you go to bed, make that your last thought. And when you're first doing it, um, it's like, all right, well, the dog didn't bite me today. I'm grateful for that. Oh, I'm grateful that I didn't put a pillow over my spouse's face today. <laughs> it's crazy. Like you got all the things you don't want, but the truth is as you keep doing it, okay, I'm grateful for my hands. I'm grateful that I can see. I'm grateful. I have this pad of paper. I'm grateful. I got a roof over my head. I'm grateful that I'm laying in a comfortable bed. I'm grateful. My kids are healthy. I'm gra- Again, you start thinking if you could lose it, if you didn't write it, I mean, the stuff would just pour out of you. And when you do this for like 30, 60, 90 days, it becomes habitual to the point where you can't go. I can't go to sleep anymore unless I pray with gratitude. That is my counting sheep, if you will. <clears throat> so gratitude, that's one of the things that I would absolutely say, make your day and finish your day. Even start it with gratitude. The second part about when you're down in the dumps is focus and attitude is a choice every single day. It really is. We can focus on, on being down in the dumps. And guess what? When you focus on something, you get more of it. No matter what you focus on and believe in, you're going to just materialize more of it. And you can focus on happiness and you can, you can practice happiness, even, even though you're in the dumps. Okay. We don't get depressed. We do depressed. We don't get happy. We do happy. We don't get, you know, stuck. We do stuck. And we do all these things that are representative of stuck. Representative of stuck is you stay in bed way too long and you mope. Representative of stuck is you always have a, how's your day? I mean, it's okay. You know, 
living the dream, you have nightmares of dreams. You know, you, you're stuck in all this negative self-talk. You're stuck in all this physiology that represents a stuck person. You know, you're not moving around. You're not smiling. And that's conscientious. I mean, you can really literally change that stuff. All right. So a focus on what you want to accomplish and how you're actually going to, what's the recipe for that success? What's that recipe for happiness is really key. <clears throat> okay. And then another component that I think is just so vital is the why. Why does this even friggin' matter? People always come to me and they'll say to me, Frank, what do I do? It's a classic question. I'm stuck in A, B, and C. What do I do? How do I do that? Well, my answer to that is, have you ever thought of why you want to do it in the first place? Like, why does it even friggin' matter? You want a relationship? Why is that important? You want a good health? Why? And they go, well, you know, and they give you the, 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 stand, the kind of the canned answer. Well, it's, you, you know, I got to have good health because I won't be able to live long if I don't have good health. No, no, no. Why is it really important to you at this age, in this stage of your life? Why is it so important? Why is it so important you have a relationship? Can you imagine if you were in a relationship with somebody, your spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it was, and every single morning you woke up and I said to my, imagine if I did this, I can imagine how great my marriage would, would have been. If I, every single day I woke up and I said to my wife, this is why I love you. This is why my marriage is so important to you and so important to me. This is why I show up every day. I didn't get broken up about this. This is why it's so vital. Five minutes cost nothing. Just five minutes of time. And then I listen to her why, why she wants to stay married to me. Why it's so important. And then maybe a couple of little, this is what I'm going to do to demonstrate this today. I'm going to, I don't know, I'm going to write you a little card. I'm going to take, I'm going to push the chairs in, in the table because I always, I don't do that. I know it pisses you off. I'm going to turn the lights off when I leave. Okay. I'm, I'm going to walk the dog instead of you having to do it. Whatever it is, it doesn't have to be monumental, but this is why I love you. And this is what I'm going to do to demonstrate it. Can you imagine if every single day you did that? Every single day, five minutes. Okay. And it's bullshit if you say you don't have time for that. You make time for the things that are important. That's one thing I would absolutely put into the next chapter of my life is the why statement and reinforcing it all the time, all the time. Then live your day, but don't live your day like going through the motions, okay? Look, I believe you're either the director of your own movie or you're a part in somebody else's, okay? What is the direction of my life going to be today? How am I going to manifest this and how am I just going to like tear it up my buddy Jason, cool guy, Boston guy, and he, he has this analogy. When he gets up in the morning, he believes that as his feet hit the floor, he has claws of a lion. And not only does he step into the carpet, but he tears the carpet up. Every step is like <laughs> this lion taking on ferociously attacking the day. Okay. I'm probably not that ferocious. Mine are probably like large cats. I don't know. But just imagine if you think. Okay, I'm going to start my day, and I'm just going to get out of bed, and I'm going to be ferociously attacking the day. And then even the getting out of bed part. I mean, my mother had this, this plaque in our kitchen, and it used to say on it, when you wake up, get up. And when you get up, do something. So why lay around in bed and just like go through your mind meld of garbage? Wake up, get up, get up, and claw the floor, and I'm going to just take on the day. And then imagine, before you do your why statement with 
And you don't have to do it just with your wife, by the way. You can do your wife statements with your kids. You can do your wife statements with your customers. Imagine if every day you like you went on your website and just said, I love my customers and here's why. And so every day they saw a new why statement about just why you just love them and raving fans. Can you imagine all the abundance you could have in your life just by that five minutes of a day? Anyways, I keep going back to that. But so imagine that every day you wake up and it's like Christmas Day when you are five years old, right? <clears throat> When you're five years old, first of all, if you're going to get up at seven, that's your normal like, get up time. You're up at four and you're like running down the hall, banging on your parents' door. You like, hey, can we get up now? Can we get up now? And your parents are like, they, they probably had three bottles of champagne putting all the toys together the night before. And like, oh, five more minutes, guys. Ten, ten minutes. Okay. And literally to the second. Kids, oh, come on, let's go, let's go, let's wake up. Come on, it's Christmas Day. Let's go downstairs. Okay, can you imagine if every day you woke up like so you claw on the floor you're doing your why and you wake up with that enthusiasm for the day like it's christmas day and then you finish it with gratitude i mean you're stuck in the dumps okay these are choices that you're making i'm not saying that you that things don't happen to us okay they do happen but are they happening to us or are they happening for us you know are they happening is there a lesson in the in the in the tragedy of course there is is, is, there, is there a shining light on the other side of the, of the fence? Of course there is. I mean, Churchill said, when you're going through hell, keep going. What the freak say there, okay? Go. You're in it. Get out of it. <clears throat> so when we're in a dumps, I, again, I, I just imagine if you could just wake up every day like that. Compelling why. Grip the floor like you're a lion. Have the enthusiasm of a five-year-old. Hell, go to a hotel some night and just run down the hallway and knock on everybody's door. Hey, it's Christmas. Santa's here. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like that movie Elf, right? With, uh, what's his name? Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell, yeah. Where he's just like, Santa's coming. I know him. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, what I love most about this story, and obviously your enthusiasm and your energy, and that's why you're Mr. Orange, but what I love most is you found the silver lining. You realize this was all happening for you not to you and you get a second chance like this is you get a redo at a young right 50 something you know like this is phenomenal i love it yeah thanks we all get a redo i mean every day's a redo right you know? it really is you there is no such day on the calendar right? at least i've yet to find it called someday and one day it's monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday Saturday, Sunday. That, those are the days and today we want to add an eighth day it's called today and um so there is no someday one day. And we kind of all live in that belief system that, okay, someday I'll take that vacation and someday I'll get healthy and someday I'll ask this girl to marry me or someday I'll, you know, I'll be nice to my kids or someday I'll have kids, whatever, right? Someday I'll start that company. That someday is today. And, you know, when people have this mentality that either it's easy for you or they have this mentality that, it's taken me four years to come up with this decision. I finally feel ready. No, it didn't take you four years. It took you five seconds. Because the minute you decide is the minute it happens. The minute you make a full decision and go, no more am I going to live like this. No more shoulda, woulda, couldas. It's now. It's an F yes or it's an F no. And today is the, with that decision, that five-second decision, where you actually act on it and make a change, that's your second act. That's your third act. It's your first act. Just make it happen. Okay. Jump in both feet. And yeah, you're going to make mistakes. Hell yeah. You're going to make mistakes. It's so much fun. <laughs> so what? You fix them. You move on. Right. I mean, what a, what a, 
what are, I, I would just hate there was a guy that I uh, that I did a uh, mastermind with. His name's Keith Cunningham. He teaches at Business Mastery. You met Keith, Heather, and he's just a, he's a great guy. But one of the things that Keith talked about when I was in one of his masterminds was a, a, a statement and a thought he put in our head. And the thought was, what if imagine if you met the man or woman that you could have been. And you think about like all the things you can achieve and all the things you can do. But actually his phrase was hell on earth. Hell on earth would be to meet the person I could have been. Mm-hmm. And that, that really stuck with me. It's like, could have been, I, I can be, it's not could have, would have, should have, it's now, it's I am, it's now. And that's not an easy phrase to, to embody and embrace every single day. It's really not, you know, I mean, I know I'm talking like this, it's like I'm talking like it's easy and it's not all the time. What it is, is habitual. The things that are easy become habitual. I mean, I can start a company in my sleep. For some people, it's the most, I can speak in public in my sleep. It's not difficult for me. Why? Because it's, I've done it a hundred times and on the 99th time it became less uncomfortable. (laughs) Still scary, right? Things become habitual. And when they become habitual, they become your comfort zone. But at first they're not. And everything in your life that's been amazing. If you really think back on it and you go, okay, what was the things that the best memories that I've ever had in my life? Okay. Best memories. Having my kids being born. That was a great memory. One of my top you know, getting married was a, was a cool memory. Traveling someplace was a cool memory. Buying a, starting my first company was a great memory. Buying a house, moving across the United States without even knowing what we we're going to do, just doing it. They scared the bejesus out of me right before I did it. Like they were the most uncomfortable thing in the world. And if you stack a lot of these uncomfortable things in your world and go, wait a minute, the other side of that uncomfortable was my greatest moments. And you recognize that, okay, in order to have these great moments, I got to have a whole playbook of uncomfortable then the next thing that comes up that looks uncomfortable you go i know this i recognize this this is i'm on the edge of something that's going to be amazing let's go do it when you stack that in your life and recognize that all the greatest things you've ever had were on the other side of fear then you embrace fear and you go i can do this man i want to do this oh is this scaring the shit out of me good it's supposed to because yeah. it's supposed to be awesome on the other side of it. Well, yeah. And the quote I live by and preach by is to let fear fuel you and not rule you. So wait to touch on that. Yeah. Fuel you, not rule you. I love that. Yeah. And you're, you know, you and you know, testimony to you too, Heather. I mean, you're an accomplished woman. You're an accomplished human being and you're going places and you do things. And I mean, I, I see your post and, okay, what city are you in today? What part of the world are you in today? And are you travel all over the place and you have a great podcast and you got a great business. You know, you're a person making stuff happen. It's amazing. Well, thank you. All right. So this has been a phenomenal interview. I have a few last rapid fire questions I'd like to ask you. Okay. Number one, what is a quote or motto that you live by? A quote or motto that I live by? God, there's a lot of them. But there's one that, you know, when you, when you first joined Facebook, they ask you to put a quote on there. I don't think they do this anymore, but they used to. And the quote that I liked was, I would rather die of thirst. Um, well, what was it? Uh, yes, I would rather die of thirst than drink from the cup of mediocrity. Mm-hmm. Instead, drink, guzzle from the chalice of excellence. But I would rather die of, of thirst than drink from the cup of mediocrity. And there's another phrase that I like, and the phrase is, um, nothing's a problem until it is. 
Like really, 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 nothing's a problem. Nothing on this planet is a problem until it really is a problem. Most of the problems we are in our heads and they're exasperated in our heads, but it's not a problem. Yes. You know? hundred percent. What is a book you're currently reading or highly recommend? Uh, A book I'm reading and mainly because I'm in the coaching field is the coaching habit. Um, It's about what I like about this book. And I think it's good for everybody, whether you're a coach or not, because at some level we are all our coaches. Uh, We coach our family. We coach our children. We coach through our friends. We coach at work. You know, if you want to be a coach, another word for influencer, because a good coach does just that. They just influence and lead. And what this book mainly is about is about asking the right questions. And, you know, when you ask the right questions, you get the better answer. When you ask yourself a better question, you get a better answer. And so this book is literally about how to just ask better questions and then shut them up and listen. People will tell you all about themselves and they'll tell you the direction they want to go in. Help guide them there. Help be their support, you know. Yes. So that's I, I, I'm really enjoying that book right now. And, I, and another book I'm reading that I read a long, long time ago is Zen in the Martial Arts. Real easy read. Zen in the Martial Arts. And um, one, of the, one of the chapters I like in it is about, and this goes along with my second act and Conquer Your Clutter Challenge I've been doing, is the um, story about this guy who wants to learn from a sensei. And the sensei was one of Bruce Lee's students. And he goes to the sensei and he says, I want to train with you. I'll do anything to train with you. Please, please, please. So the sensei goes, oh, come to my dojo and we'll talk. So he goes to the dojo and the sensei says, would you like some tea? He goes, yeah, that's very nice. So be in hospital. So he starts pouring the tea. Sensei goes, why do you want to be here? And the student goes, oh, because you're one of the greatest masters in the world and I want to study from you. And oh, I, I, it's such an honor. And the, the sensei's still pouring the tea. And the student's talking, and as the student's talking, he's getting a little distracted because the tea is now pouring over the side of the cup, and it's now it's getting all over the table, and it's pouring on the ground, and the sensei's not even stopping. He's just listening, mm-hmm. pouring the tea, pouring the tea. Finally, the student, would-be student, goes, sensei, stop. Whoa, hey, quit. He goes, what are you doing? And the sensei says, well, what I'm doing is giving you a demonstration of your life. What do you mean? I'm giving you a demonstration of your life. He said, basically, your life and your cup is full. I can't train you because you're already full. You have no room to learn. You have no room to grow because you filled your own head. You filled your own cup with all the bullshit that you want to just keep dragging through your life. All the clutter, all the, all the horrible thoughts, all the limiting beliefs. You need to empty your cup and then we can start. Wow. That's powerful. What a visual. Yeah. Yeah, so I've, there's a lot of little, the book is really easy, and, and I'm paraphrasing the story, I'm probably butchering it a little bit, but, um, it, and there's little, little stories in there about life lessons done through the martial arts um, nomenclature. Okay, final question for you. Okay. What piece of advice would you give your younger self? My younger self piece of advice is take more chances earlier and quicker act act faster act faster think slower (laughs) i guess you know jump in both feet don't be afraid you know there's always a lifeline always uh just just get involved get it do it 99 my daughter has a um a phrase that she uses when she signs her emails it's her email signature 
and it says, you miss 100% of the shots you never take. It's yeah. a Wayne Gretzky statement. And it's 100% true. You know, 90% of success is showing up. Just be there. Yes. So, yeah, that would be the younger self. Get there earlier. Okay? Don't wait. Frank, thank you for all of your wisdom and sharing your experiences and stories and everything today. Oh, you're welcome, Heather. Thanks for having me on. I really, really appreciate the opportunity. I feel honored to be able to work with you. So thank you. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. To connect with me further, you can find me on Facebook, Heather Hakes. I am also on Instagram as heather.hakes. And I even have a YouTube channel. Guess what? Heather Hakes. I'll catch you on the next episode.